0: Tackle the second cry from the cross um, in the second sermon. Uh, John nineteen, twenty-six and twenty-seven, to be exact. I'm just gonna dive in. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his home. So in the second cry, we have Jesus on the cross, um, which is kind of the, the point of these seven cries. Is he on the cross? Um, but he's on the cross, and he's in the midst of his his last hours, maybe even last minutes. Um, he has been through the torture and the suffering, um, and he's about ready to die. And we see him reaching out um, to his mom. We see that that uh, his mom Mary is is there at the cross, and then we see that there's a disciple who um, is who's who's, uh, who's Jesus loves is also at the cross, and there's a few other women there, but in this, in these verses, um, these are the three people we're looking at. Now, the disciple whom Jesus loved um, traditionally has been interpreted to be John, who wrote the book of John, Revelation, some of the letters, Um, but they're not completely, uh, scholars aren't completely uh, on the same page as far as that goes, and for the sake of what we're going to tackle this morning, it doesn't really matter a ton. In fact, it might be better that it's anonymous. So I'm going to refer to him as the, the disciple. Um, I think we are disciples of Jesus, and so we can resonate with the fact that there was a disciple at the cross. So I'm going to tackle the three different parts of, of, of this these verses. The first one, um, woman, here is your son. This is Jesus' words to his mom, and, and it wasn't disrespectful to, to call mother's women in that day. It, it wasn't anything like that. It was a respectful kind of woman. Um, but in this, in this cry, um, we see that Jesus, in his last moments, um, in the midst of his suffering, he had compassion. He was thinking of others. Um, he was thinking of, of, of his love for his mother and how much um, he knew that, that she was hurting in, in that moment. And so we see this, this radical compassion in the midst of the worst suffering we can possibly imagine. <clears throat> the other thing I want to note is, is Joseph is not there. Uh, most scholars believe that Joseph um, had passed away at this point. So Mary was now a widow. Um, and so that's why she was alone at the cross, which meant responsibility to take care of her fell to her firstborn, which was Jesus. Which made this that much more terrible because Jesus was dying. And so in this moment... Um, he is um, showing his compassion for her um, by saying, woman, here's, here's your son, um, I can no longer take care of you. I'm, I'm dying, you can't follow me where I'm going. Um, and so we see this compassion and this, this obligation and responsibility that Jesus shares from the cross towards his mother. And then, then we look to the beloved disciple um, and Jesus says, um, here's your mother. Here is your mother. Um, Now, family was very, very important in those days. Um, But Mary was not this disciple's mother. Um, But in in this statement, Jesus is, 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 is almost commanding, almost saying, you know, this is the this is the reality, you know, you are now this woman's son. And so it's almost like a command. And it's saying, I'm passing my earthly responsibility to you as my disciple. Um, my role and my mission as, as, as her son and even just on this earth is coming to an end. Um, and so I'm passing this responsibility. It's um, the idea of asking, Jesus was asking the disciple to take his place. Because um, again, where he's going, um, this disciple could not follow. Um, <clears throat> which leads us to, I think, the most important part of these, th- these two verses. Um, and I want to note um, before I get to that part, this disciple was the only recorded male disciple who had stayed at the cross. The rest of them had all fled. Um, so the connection, the friendship between him and Jesus, um, the bond must have been very, very strong for him to risk um, persecution and, and even even worse for being seen as Jesus' disciple at the cross. Um, women were, were usually able to go wherever they wanted Basic uh, in this, in this culture. But, but it was actually potentially uh, dangerous for this, this guy to be at the cross. <clears throat> and so we read on. Um, so Jesus says, here's your mother. And, and we read this. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. From that hour, the disciple took Mary into his home. And so I, I want us to put, a, put, put ourselves in the shoes of, of this disciple um, whom Jesus loved and who loved, clearly loved Jesus for a second. And and, and while he wasn't undergoing the, the physical suffering um, that, that Jesus was going, he was going through his own suffering. He had spent um, three-plus years knowing Jesus, but three intense years of, 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 being, of Jesus being his master, his teacher, his rabbi, his friend, his brother, uh, and following um, his will and his way and his words and trying to figure things out. Uh, when Jesus, all, all the while, is, is, is very clearly claiming to be the Messiah and, and, and in that day, um, when they thought messiah's like, oh, this guy 's going to kick the Romans out, and Israel's is going to be the king of, of of the the known world and so in the midst of this he he 's losing a friend and a brother and a teacher, someone who's very close to he 's suffering from that loss. not only that though he, I guarantee he was confused and doubting because because the man he thought was bringing the kingdom is, is on the cross dying um, see see the disciples didn 't get it that often they didn 't get it until after the resurrection really they uh, and I don't think we would have necessarily gotten it either if we were in their price. But he was confused, and he had sorrow, and he had doubt. So in a lot of ways, that, that's where we are in the different seasons of life. But, but here's the thing. He was obedient. From that moment on, he took Mary into his house. Um, someone who was not his mother, he br- brought her into the house from the dying Messiah who, who was his friend. He was obedient regardless of the doubts and the struggles that he had with that. And so this is the turning point of this cry from the cross. <clears throat> if we are disciples of Jesus, if we are followers of Jesus Christ, or if we want to be, we must challenge ourselves to respond as this disciple did. In the midst of, of one of the worst circumstances, he took the responsibility um, and the command and the call from Jesus to take in his mother. Um, and so he's basically told to have compassion, um, and maybe more importantly, hospitality. Um, in Matthew twenty-two, we we read the two important, most important commandments are, I "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength," and then the second most is, "To love your neighbor as yourself." And this is we talk about that a lot. But what does that mean? And 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 when Jesus is 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 giving these, this this charge to his his disciple whom he loved. This is what we see happening. We see him taking the responsibility. We see him having compassion. And ultimately we see him taking the charge to be hospitable, to love your neighbor. And so so we're going to talk about hospitality for a little bit. And I kind of want to reframe hospitality. I think it's something that... um, as a church, we probably don't talk enough about it. I think as a culture, we kind of, it's just one of those words, it's like, that's a weird word and no one uses that and it has something to do with hospitals and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, but it has a, a much, much deeper meaning. John Ortberg says that hospitality is making space for people that you do not have to make space for. Making space for people that you don't have to make space for. And he he goes on and he actually says, At the heart of the faith is the ultimate expression of God's hospitable nature, which is expressed in the cross of Jesus Christ. You see, on the cross, Jesus invited all, all sinners to be forgiven. Um, Everyone, no exceptions. He made space for anyone, the worst of the worst, whether it's Saul who killed Christians whether it was Peter who denied him three times, even those who never end up following him, there is space for them at the cross. And so we see that, that Jesus did not have to die for us. That's something we, we, this is really key. Jesus did not have to die for us, but he chose to. He made a choice because of his love for us, because he cares about us so deeply. Uh, deeply. He chose to die for us. And in doing so, He showed us what hospitality is. He showed us how we should treat others, have compassion um, like him. Uh, 1 John. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. And so... In our response to to our call, to our charge to be compassionate and and hospitable, like the beloved disciple, we need to realize that this needs to flow from the fact that we are loved, we are forgiven. That Jesus made space for us and now we're called to make space for other people. And so we're going to see this. um, And then on that note, sometimes that's not easy. And this verse speaks to fear. The perfect, fear, perfect, perfect love of Jesus Christ drives out fear. And it's a process. We're being made more and more like Jesus. We need to lean into that. Because we can't, if, if we're being ruled by fear in our response to others, in our response to God, um, then that means we're not being ruled by love. So this is going to, uh, three things that going to take us. Three different realms um, that, that we're going to, be challenged, to, to be hospitable, to be compassionate to others, to take others in, to make space for others in our lives. And these three realms are um, family, neighbor, and enemies. And we're gonna, so we're going to start with family. So in our love for our family, we're called to be compassionate and to make space for people. Now, this is not just our earthly family, although that is definitely part of it, but this is also the family of believers that we are as a church. Um, Paul talks about how... Um, in 1 Corinthians, he's talking about the body of Christ and that members may have the same, his prayer would be that members have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer with it. If, if one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. The reality is we are one body. We are one family. And we're called to love each other in that. We're called to make space for each other. Even the people who annoy us. Even the people who, who we don't know. As Christ followers, what we do within the body of Christ is incredibly important because it's reflected to the world. If we can't treat each other well, then how are we supposed to reflect Christ outwards into the people who don't know him yet? And so we need to make space within the family of God. And so I want to ask, who is your family? Who are the people, uh, maybe physically, biologically, the family that you need to make space for in your life, that you need to make a priority, that you need to um, be hospitable for? And you need to choose to do that. It's a choice, just like Jesus chose to love us, chose to die for us, even though technically he didn't have to. But he did because he loves us. So we need to choose to spend time. And how can you make space for them? How can you make space for these people? Um, the next, the next realm is, is love for neighbor, and I already mentioned uh, Matthew twenty-two. Um, but I think Romans 12 speaks to this as well. Romans 12 is, is awesome. I love Romans 12. If you ever want to read Romans 12, you'll be a better person for it. Uh, starting in verse 9, though, Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold on to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. i skip down a little bit. 12, rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints, the body of Christ, and extend hospitality to strangers. Now, verse 12, I think, for a second, I'm, rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer. And I think this attitude is reflected perfectly of, of how Jesus was on the cross. Um, and so th- these three phrases as far as being, being patient in suffering and persevering in prayer, Jesus was modeling that for us, and, and, and we should be doing that in our lives. But contribute to the as saints. So again, love your family. Extend hospitality to strangers, though. So who is it in your life? Who is it that you don't know? Who is your neighbor? Maybe it's your physical neighbor next door that you'd never talk to. Maybe it is uh, just strangers in, the ch- Maybe it is strangers in the church. You just don't know them, and, and so, but they're still your neighbor. Maybe they're people who you're uncomfortable with um, in, in, in town or wherever you live. Who is your neighbor? And I think we have to ask this question, and then we have to ask, how can we make space for them? How can we go out of our way not not because we have to, but because we choose to, to make space for someone because they're loved in Christ just as we are. How, how does that work? Who is our neighbor, and how do we do that? A couple examples. You could start here in the church. You could serve, um, volunteer with the benevolence ministry, volunteer with moms and tots, um, but, but whatever it is, do, do something. Reflect on, on who it is in your life, who, who is your neighbor, who you Essentially ignore and start making space for them. And then um, Greg mentioned the, the heroin crisis in this area. And, and that's a really, really heavy thing. Um, and, but we need to be making space for those people. Um, as the church, we should, we should be and hopefully will be leading the charge is making space for these people. Um, whether that's space in prayer, space in conversation, space in, 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 in getting food with them. Maybe even taking them into our homes at times. And is, would that be hard? Yes. Are they just going to get better like that? No. Probably not. Addiction is a, is a terrible, ugly thing. But as the church, as, as Christ followers, we're called to make space for everyone. Sinners and, 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 and saints alike. And that leads us probably to maybe even the hardest. It, loving your enemy. And, and we read in Luke 6, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but basically um, Jesus is saying... Um, if you love those who love you, like that's just common sense that it works out. Everyone does that, even sinners, even non-believers. But it's whenever you love people who do not love you in return, who, who aren't in a place where they can make space for you yet. That is what we're called to do. Love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting, expecting nothing in return. Expecting nothing in return is something that really is key there. Expecting nothing in return. Making space without expecting someone else to make space for you and then and then being uh, being merciful just as as the Lord is merciful, and so I ask, who is your enemy? Maybe you have a literal enemy, maybe you maybe it's within your family, maybe you need to reconcile like Greg said and forgive, but who is your enemy Who's who is it that is opposed to you or or maybe it's a it's a bigger, bigger thing, and where it's um uh, Isis and all the, the crazy, terrible, terrible stuff happening over there or or maybe Some of the people in the presidential campaign right now, maybe they're your enemies or you're opposed to them. I think when it comes to enemies, you have to lead the charge with prayer. Pray for those who persecute you. But if it's someone relationally close to you, uh, and, and on that note, we should be praying not just for those who are being persecuted, but for the persecuted themselves, that they might know Christ and be redeemed. Because we are all sinners, and Jesus loves even the worst of sinners, even those who are massacring Christians over there. But who is your enemy? And, and if it is a relational enemy, maybe, maybe you should have them over for dinner. Maybe you should initiate an olive branch to make space for them in your life. And be okay with being hurt. And be okay with, you know, Jesus clearly got hurt on the cross because of us. We should be willing to suffer a little bit to make space for other people. And so all these things um, kind of lead us to a head. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. This is what John says, in chapter 14, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. As we saw, the beloved disciple listened to Jesus, took Mary in, and cared for her the rest of her life. In, in the midst of his own angst and suffering, he was obedient to what Jesus said, the call to compassion and hospitality. And so if we love him, if we are his disciples, we are called to keep his commandments And it should be a choice. Sometimes it's a choice that's hard, but it should still be a choice. And the last encouragement I want to say is that we're not alone in this. Jesus promised an advocate, the Holy Spirit, to be with us forever. And we know him because he abides in us, as he says in John 14, and he will be in us. And then the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost after Jesus died, resurrected, and The Holy Spirit came to us as the helper, as the comforter, as the empowerer, as the. He is with us right now in this room, in our hearts. And then we have each other. And so regardless of how difficult the task is, loving your family generally could be maybe easy. Loving your neighbor and your enemy, though. Making space for strangers and people who you don't like, people you hate. That's hard. And you need help. You can't do it on your own. So we have each other and we have the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to just leave you with a question that I've, I've phrased in different ways, but who can you make space for in your heart, home, and life? I'm not saying just have someone over and like say I did it. No. It's, to make space, to have hospitality, to have compassion on someone, you need to let them into your heart and your life. You need to let them experience life with you, to walk alongside them, to be incarnate in their life just as Jesus wasn't ours. He came in flesh. And so who will you make space for in your life? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we